0: Welcome to Oppenheimer's Let's Talk Future podcast. In this format, we bring you timely and relevant conversations with thought leaders and industry experts. Join us as we explore new ways of thinking about the markets, investing, business, new technologies, and life in general. If you enjoy this podcast, be sure to click on the subscribe button. Now here's Jane Ross, Managing Director of Investment Banking with Brian Nagel. Managing Director and Research Analyst who focuses on consumer growth and e-commerce.
1: Welcome to today's episode, which we've called COVID-19 and the Consumer, A Year of Acceleration. We'll take a look at consumer behavior and spending patterns in the era of COVID-19, the beneficiaries, the challenges, And then we'll discuss the post-COVID retail landscape and how that might look different in the future. We have the perfect guest to help us navigate through all of this, Brian Nagel, who's certainly well-known here at Oppenheimer & Company. He's the managing director and senior research analyst covering the consumer growth and e-commerce space. He has over 20 years' experience, and he currently covers a wide swath of discretionary retail companies, such as big box retailers, home improvement and auto parts retailers, e commerce multi channel names like Wayfair, and athletic plays, including Nike and Lululemon. He's a frequent guest on CNBC and Bloomberg TV. So with all of that, welcome, Brian, and thank you for diversifying your media presence to include this podcast.
0: Well, thank you, and thanks for having me.
1: Let's start with a snapshot of where we are now. Um, Consumer spending was down almost 35% in the second quarter, led by a big slide in food services and accommodations. But within that dire report, there were some big disparities. So Brian, can you start us off and give us some perspective on the health of the consumer and what you've seen from the companies you follow?
0: Sure. That's, well, that's a great question, Jane. And look, in your opening, you talked about all the years I've been covering uh, this space or this consumer space broadly. I will say that I have never seen a dynamic like this before. And what's, in, what's very, very interesting to me, you, know, you mentioned a few of the more the, you know, the more well-known or, or tracked economic variables. If we look at those, consumer spending is decidedly weak. It may be coming off the bottom, but decidedly weak. But what I'm seeing with a number of my companies that I cover, sales decidedly strong. And just to put a few numbers out there, you know, at companies, I'll mention some random names, Their tractor supply. They just recently talked about a greater than 30% comp. O'Reilly Automotive, 16% comp. Wayfair had discussed uh, sales growth of 90%. These are numbers I've never seen before, not even close. You know, so what it tells me is there are clearly stresses in the consumer environment broadly. But there are certain companies, certain consumer companies, retailers and brands, and certain subsegments of consumer that are actually, through this COVID crisis, performing decidedly well.
1: Absolutely, and to add to your litany of outsized returns, I read that pajama sales were up 143 percent in April, which is just a, a crazy number. We're clearly seeing some extreme moves and dislocation. Can you talk about what's behind all of this?
0: Well, look, there's a few factors, and we, uh, in our work on the group, we've, we've written quite a bit about this now. So, one, I think you have a significant reallocation of spending on the part of consumers. And in that reallocation has really been towards anything home-related or related to people spending more time in their homes, and I think that's where your pajama uh, you know, data point probably falls into. Now, look, and that's coming at the expense of traveling and other forms of entertainment. So I think consumers now are much more much more focused on their homes and spending more time in the homes. We're also seeing a similar type dynamic with, with automobiles. And they've either had early in the pandemic, uh, People had more time to work on their cars, we, and we saw sales relate to that. And I think now, as we're, you know, hopefully some of these uh, COVID-19 headwinds are beginning to abate, what we are seeing is uh, propensity for uh, for people to want to be in their own cars, as opposed to taking some form of mass tra- transportation, including, uh, you know, including airplanes. So I think that that's one big factor. Second is. And this is what I'm wrestling with most lately is just to what extent the very substantial government stimulus has helped to bolster spending and particularly more what I call splurge-type purchases. There was one-time one purchases. So I follow closely Dick's Sporting Goods. Dick's has seen, seen outsized strength in categories like kayaks and canoes. And those have been weak for some time, all of a sudden strength. there. are bicycles. You know, So I think to a certain extent, that's reflective of a consumer, yeah, maybe not traveling as the consumer once did, but it's also, I think, reflective of a splurge a spur, a spur type spur of spending.
1: Well, I certainly understand that having purchased a bike myself in July. I guess the question is, are those numbers remaining elevated? And a natural follow-up question to that is one of sustainability.
0: So as far as we can tell, yes. Now, it it wasn't in, like, the bicycle category, and again, it wasn't just Dick's talking about this. Other other larger retailers, such as Walmart, talked about it as well. And so it's really been occurring through the pandemic, and particularly as the weather turned more spring-like, which would make sense. Now, as far as the sustainability, that's a great question, and it's difficult to decipher at this point. I mean, what we've seen so far is it seems as though this, this trend is in place. where where, where people are more interested in owning bicycles.
1: Right. So the strength in home-related and auto and fitness categories, those all make sense given the increased time we've all spent at home. Um, You've touched on the issue of stimulus payments from Washington as a boost to consumer spending. So how concerned are you that we run out of steam on that front?
0: I'm beginning to worry about it in fact i just just this morning i published a short comment to our clients um you know highlighting this as a potential risk to the trajectory in consumer spending and look the stimulus discussion is obviously a big one there's a lot of debate in it right now in washington how what the next round of stimulus will look like i'm by no means a don't means a policy expert but it's my view and i've written that i'm hard-pressed to envision there not being another round of stimulus just given the underlying workings of our government and the fact that we're so close to a presidential election, but look at some point, stimulus payments—the the, the, the pace of spin, stimulus payments and massive stimulus payments will wane. Uh, you no, know, it's and the hope is that that that's, that's happening as the underlying economy is restrengthening. But I do to answer your initial question, I do worry somewhat that the, these stimulus payments in various forms are causing what I call maybe a potential bubble within within broader spending trends.
1: And on that point of extremes, you referenced a potential bubble. Well I guess the inverse could be true too in categories that have been hit really hard from the impact of COVID. So are companies then primarily victims or beneficiaries of their product categories?
0: I think it's interesting. It's we could talk about categories, but I think the other you know the other place we're really seeing a further delineation is just between those retailers and those brands that have well-built out digital or omni-channel capabilities, and as the those do not. And look, I think this is a really key point is we're thinking about where we're going from here within this space. Okay, so it's no secret, there's been a shift to online spending that's been happening for, for some time now. You know, and basically that may have started as long as 20 years ago, right? And it's, it's been accelerating as, retailers and brands have gotten better at operating their digital capabilities and as consumers have become more comfortable in buying various products online. This COVID-19 crisis has accelerated that dramatically. So we start go back to early in the pandemic, a lot of stores were closed, right? Except those that were deemed essential, a lot of stores were closed. So that basically forced consumers to shop online. Again, the, the winners there with those companies, those brands that had well-to-built-out online operations, and I look at something like a Nike or a Lululemon. In both cases, all their stores were closed across the United States. Sales held up relatively well because they were able to direct they were able to direct consumers to their online operations. So I think that's, you know, as I think about again where we go from here, the winners and losers. It's going to be that the winners are clearly going to be those companies that have that online presence. Because even as these, these COVID headwinds start to abate, what we're seeing is there's still a hesitancy on the part of, we're seeing this in the data, there's still a hesitancy on the part of the consumer to spend an undue amount of time in stores. So what consumers are doing is they're pre-shopping, they're, 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 they're online first, maybe picking up an item in the store, coming to the store with more knowledge of the products so they don't have to spend as much time there. Again, the winners in all of that are those retailers that have those those well-built out digital capabilities.
1: Right. And the flip side is paying for the retailers that don't have an established online presence. I mean, some of those companies have been vulnerable for an awful long time. JCPenney certainly comes to mind. So, Given our theme that this is a year of acceleration, COVID seems to be hastening the destruction in your space.
0: Oh, that's absolutely true. You know, it's an interesting dynamic with retail, it takes a while for a retailer to go away. You know, and a good point you mentioned, James, JCPenney. You know, we as an investment community have been talking about the demise of J.C. JCPenney now for several years. Sears is, Sears is, I would say, far longer than that. But both those companies are still in business. Because what we've seen, we saw, that, and we saw this back in the financial crisis of 2008, 2010, that a lot of these retailers, they just were able to limp along. And you need some type of event to really push them out of business. And I think that's what's happening here. And we see daily now the, the number of, of retailers that are liquidating, bankruptcy, closing stores. Many of these have been struggling for some time. Now, on the other side of this, this will create a much better, much more accommodative, competitive environment for the surviving chains and those that are well positioned. Again, I'm going to go back to the point I was making a moment ago. I mean, a lot of, it, a lot of that has to do with those that are now digitally capable. Because if you look at these, these companies that the retailers have been struggling, you know, either they did not have the wherewithal to create a substantial digital presence, or they just simply didn't have the capital to invest to make it happen.
1: And it sounds like it might be too late for those struggling retailers to create a digital presence, right? If, if they already, if they don't already have one.
0: To start from scratch, yes. You know, and even great, even companies, you take like a Best Buy, Best Buy, a traditional retailer that's been around for a long time over the past several years, really built out its omni-channel capabilities. That's a process that's never done. It's constantly evolving. So there's always an investment that has to happen behind that. And that that will continue. But to answer your question, you know, for for a retailer starting from scratch right now, I think that'd be almost impossible.
1: Let's talk about the landscape ahead. Once we're all released from our homes, what are some of the important factors that you see in driving the consumer going forward?
0: Well, I think some of these changes will stick. You know, a simple one to point to. I think you know, even as COVID nineteen fades completely, I think I think consumers are now Conditioned to comfortable with shopping for more products online. You know this, this pandemic, which has now persisted, you know, for the past several months or so, again, has, has taught more consumers the benefits of shopping online. And I, I think I think that sticks. You know, so that's just exactly the point we're making. Is that dynamic is very much going to favor those retailers, both online as well as omnichannel, that have well built out digital capabilities. Now, as far as categories go, you know, that's probably a more difficult conversation to assess, but I got to think there's going to be somewhat of a normalization. You know, consumers will at some point travel again, they'll at some point eat out more often. And to the extent that happens, I would think that would weigh upon spending, this outside spending we've seen in home-related categories, maybe in the auto category and elsewhere. But, you know, you can see, we see this a lot with, you know, as we talk to people we work with. I mean, I think that said... You know, even as the the overall environment normalizes, it's probably likely that people will be working less in their office and more at home. You know, they'll be spending more time at home. So I think that's going to, that dynamic will basically keep home-related spending potentially better than it was pre-COVID.
1: Okay, let's stay on the future and discuss how companies might look to attract the consumer in new ways. I I know there have been some successful experiments in experiential shopping. I think Nike, one of the companies you cover, has had some positive results with enticing consumers to a location where, you know, you could put on shoes, you could play around and and use them in different settings. That strategy seems like an exciting shift in potentially energizing and engaging the consumer.
0: Absolutely. You know, when we hear a lot of retailers now talking about the exper- ex- experiential aspects of their stores, and I think it's very important. But, you know, another big positive, you know, it's, so yes, you're entertaining that customer. You're giving that customer another reason to come to the store as opposed to simply shop for a product. But what this is also doing it's allowing these retailers to operate successfully with fewer stores, a bigger online presence, fewer stores, which is a positive for financials. And, and this is a little bit more of a nuanced comment, but these retailers are now able to operate in a lot of cases with less inventory because they're managing the inventory in their stores within their channels much better too. And again, that's a big positive for financials as well. And Nike is a perfect example of this. They're just managing their stores, the experiences in their stores, are managing their stores much, much better. And over time, those will become much more valuable financial assets for them.
1: You bring up the point of inventory management, and I'd, I'd like to stay on that for a moment. In our last episode here, I spoke with Fred Larson, Oppenheimer's head of infrastructure investment banking, and we talked about supply chains and the impact of COVID 19 on things like pharma and healthcare. Um, I know that in some retail categories, inventory management and procurement issues have been tricky. Brian, can you can you talk about what you've seen?
0: Yeah, so within my coverage universe, and you know, I, I tend to focus on companies that are primarily in the hard goods area. You know, I do have some clothing, like we mentioned, Nike, Lululemon, and a few others, but in, in the hard goods, you have less seasonal issues. So there's just inherently less of a risk there. When I when I think about a company like a Home Depot, an AutoZone, you know, those, those there's just less seasonal seasonal risk. But to answer you, I think to answer your question better, is these larger retailers, and again, this is another differentiating factor. Okay, so we think about how you know, for a while it's been happening, but now through this COVID-19 crisis, there's a bigger divide between the well-positioned retailers, the well-positioned brand, and those that are not. A key factor there is the supply chains. And you look at these, again, Home Depot's a perfect example. Home Depot controls its supply chain, one of the best supply chains in retail. So even if there is a product shortage, Home Depot can quickly correct that and they can do that much faster, much more nimbly than other smaller home and hardware type stores which with, with which they compete. And again that and with that as that dynamic takes place that allows Home Depot to capture more market share.
1: Interesting. Who who else would you put in that category of those that are well able to manage inventory in this environment?
0: Best buy the uh, best is the leading consumer electronics retailer. And consumer electronics has over time been at, you know, at times impacted by supply chain disruptions, but again, Best Buy, the the largest consumer electronics retailer in the United States, their last man standing with physical stores. They've got a big advantage when it comes to supply chain.
1: Okay. Let's shift a bit and talk about downside. Can you tell us what you're concerned about going forward?
0: In my mind, it, the biggest risk to, to, to retail consumer at this juncture is if this COVID-19 crisis spills into what I what I call like a real recession. So I think right now we're still in a shock, you know, very, very different than what, what, we, what we witnessed in the, the financial crisis of 2008 to 2010. But if this shock spills into a real recession characterized by persistently high unemployment, weaker trends in consumer spending, then even these well-positioned names will we'll, we'll suffer to a certain extent. Now, at this point, with what I'm seeing, I'm not, I, I with what I'm seeing, the data, and how I'm thinking about these companies, I'm not forecasting that. But to me, that's the risk that lies ahead.
1: Yes, well, certainly the duration of the pandemic, uncertainty around stimulus payments, employment trends, those are all important factors. And unfortunately, none of us have a crystal ball. Um, you spend a lot of time talking to management teams in general, what are you hearing from them?
0: Interestingly, the companies at this point don't seem to know. What, they, what they're basically saying is that, you know, for the most part, you know, they're quite surprised, quite, quite pleased with the strength, resilience of their business right now. They don't see signals. Again, broadly speaking, they don't see signals of a looming recession. And when they when they make comments like that, they're looking at spending patterns in their stores, spending patterns geographically across the country. They don't see that but they don't miss, dismiss the risk entirely.
1: Okay, well, as we look at this as a year of acceleration in the consumer realm, you've laid out a lot of good reasons why astute management teams, companies with dominant market shares and strong e-commerce platforms will continue to do well.
0: That's correct. And then if you think about this space, I mean, I, I really think this will be another moment, or another period as we look back, a period of the strong getting stronger within the consumer and retail spaces.
1: Right, the strong getting stronger. Well, I think that's a good place for us to end. Brian, I know this has been a very busy time for you, so I appreciate you sharing your insights today.
0: Well, thanks for having me.
1: This is Jane Ross signing off until our next episode of Let's Talk Future.